Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere, and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. My guest this week is the multi-hyphenate talent, Jason Siegel. In this episode, we talk about midlife crises, what makes humans happy, and there's an interesting interlude about Brad Pitt. Siegel wrote and, of course, starred in the film Forgetting Sarah Marshall, and he was a regular in the long-running series How I Met Your Mother. Among his many roles, he also played the writer David Foster Wallace in the film The End of the Tour. Next up, he has the Apple TV series Shrinking. Siegel co-created and executive producers with Ted Lasso's co-creator Bill Lawrence and Brett Goldstein, who, of course, played the legendary Roy Kent in Ted Lasso. Shrinking follows the story of Jimmy, a therapist who, while grieving the sudden loss of his wife, suddenly decides to tell his patients the real truth. Shrinking also stars Harrison Ford, Krista Miller and Jessica Williams, and it premieres with the first two episodes on January 27th on Apple TV. Jason Siegel, welcome to 20 Questions on Deadline. So I just want to say, first of all, that I am sending this show to my therapist immediately because I know he's going to get a kick out of this. Oh, good. I'm glad. He's the sort of therapist who is a big believer in not just sitting there nodding, going, and how does that make you feel? So this show to me is just like, it's it's basically what you really want to know is behind the scenes with your therapist. And I am dying to know how you came up with this with the Ted Lasso geniuses. Tell me about yeah, well, <laughs> Bill I, Lawrence I, I, and, 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 and Brett Goldstein, I, who of course plays legendary Roy Kent. Tell yeah. me the story. Well, I have to give full credit to the Ted Lasso geniuses. I'm, I'm really lucky. Maybe two years ago, Bill Lawrence called me out of the blue and said, uh, hey, I'm trying to put together my next show. Uh, I'd, I'd love to make it with you, which is like, um, I think Bill's a genius. And, uh, and and I think that our our Venn diagram of taste really overlaps of like finding comedy through pathos. Um, I mean, ever since forgetting Sarah Marshall, I mean, back to Freaks and Geeks, I just think like a big grown man crying is like one of the funniest things in the world. Um especially if you do it honest. And, uh, and so, yeah, we like pitched a couple ideas back. There were a couple of near misses. And then um, he and Brett Goldstein pitched me this idea. And it felt like a bullseye in terms of what I was trying to do if I was going to make another comedy. 
Um, Cause I did nine years on a TV show. So it's a really long time. Um, and I didn't know if I wanted to do another comedy again in that way. Um, but this seemed to have all of the elements that I've been trying to combine for a long um, of someone who's authentically going through something really, really difficult. He's going through the loss of his wife and like finding the humor in rock bottom is so interesting to me um, because I think that we have all been there and the desperate scramble of trying to find your way out. I think the only way it's even tolerable is through humor. It's through laughter. I mean, I'm talking about life, you know, not even making art. And so I thought there, there was an opportunity for real comedy. And then the other thing I thought was so interesting is continuing to help people through their breakdowns while you yourself are having a breakdown, you forget your therapist, like you view them as an authority figure. They're just a person, you know, and they're going through it all. So, uh, and there's an element of wish fulfillment too, because God, you wish someone would just tell you what to do. I've been saying for years, I want to join a cult for that exact reason. Right. And you know, this makes me think so much. I was going to say what you're talking about with finding comedy and pathos is the exact brand of humor that I love. And it, it really feels like it harks back to a lot of very British sensibility in a way for me, like that's the, it rings that bell. And it made me think about um, Phoebe Waller-Bridge and, Fleabag, uh, I mean, work of genius, of course. She's a genius, yeah. But that that scene where she, I don't, I don't know if you know the show really well, but she she kneels in the confessional and says, "I just want someone to tell me what to wear, what music to listen to, what food to eat." <laughs> yeah, yeah, I relate so hard to that. For sure, life's hard, you know. Like the reality is, you're just born. And you have no idea what the point is. And then you have all these people telling you what they think the point is, but they're just guessing too. Like there's a moment when you reach the age your parents were when they were parenting you and you're like, Oh, they were just this. (laughs) (laughs) I can't believe any of it. Oh yeah. And then, and then you have an existential crisis because no one is, is, is in the authority anymore and it's just all very, very worrying. Um, but yeah, hopefully though what it gives way to, which I think is what Fidel is really good at, um, that if you do it right and give way to a real sense of community mm. of, Oh, we're all just in this together. Yeah. Trying to like scramble our way through and lift each other up when one is down and be the lifter upper when you happen to be up, you know, like, I think that that's what feels so good about his shows is that you start with everyone in their disparate problems and then they all are kind of in it together by the end. Yeah, I, I love this show because it's real. it's, I know it's, and it's familiar to me because of course it's set in LA, but LA is particularly full of people that are without their family because they've come here as a sort of transplant. I mean, I know you're from LA, but that's very rare. Um, But, you know, and that that idea of community among your friends and your friend family is very prevalent in this town in particular. I love Krista Miller's character, Jessica Williams. The fact they all live on the same street. It's so, it's touching and sweet and gnarly and it's so great. I love it. 
Harrison cast, Ford. Like, we need to talk about Harrison. Ford. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh the, the cast, the cast just blows me away every time, and um, I, I help out in various capacities on the show as I've done since I'm young. Sure. And I get to see the cuts early, and I get to see all the takes, and like it's a, it's a group of people who brought their A game and. A lot of people, Krista in particular, it's like you get to see sides of her that she hasn't gotten to show before, and that's really exciting. And there's some newcomers are going to fall in love with. I, I just mm. felt really lucky. And then, yes, then there's Harrison Ford, <laughs> who Harrison Ford is the kind of person. Mm. I've made a lot of stuff. So here's how it works. There's like a part where you're like, you know who would be amazing for that? Harrison Ford. And then, so you're like, okay. Let's offer it to Harrison Ford. And and the only reason you offer it to Harrison Ford is so that Harrison Ford will say no, but for like a week, you get to say we have an offer out to Harrison Ford. <laughs> and you get to talk about it with your friends. So that's what happened. And that's then, so funny. And then Harrison Ford said yes. And then all of a sudden, you're like, holy shit, Harrison Ford's going to show up. And you have to do all this scrambling to get yourself ready for a legend arriving. So um, good. So experience good. With, yeah. My experience with Harrison Ford is like from the moment he arrived, he does something really generous, but like a peer, not like you're he, supposed he to be. He treats people awe. like a peer. You said, yeah, he makes mm. you feel like you're his peer, mm. not like you're supposed to be in awe of him. And he's got the mentality, like it's stuck around since he was a carpenter where he says, all I want at the end of this is for the people who hired me to build this house to be happy with the house. Mm. I love that. Yeah, right. Humility, so underrated, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's huge. Yeah. I love his character, the vulnerability of playing a man who's got Parkinson's um, and is really looking at his own mortality. I mean, and I love how you underplay it. You say, oh, I help out on this show I mean <laughs> oh no no you're just co-creator executive producer helping out um with it I'm just like really wishing I was privy to some of the chats and the brainstorming that had to have gone on like there must have been some really funny laugh out loud storytelling moments amongst you all yeah a writer's room is like one of the most special places I've ever been. If when they're done right, Bill does it right. Judd Apatow did it right. Everyone is encouraged to let the weird part of their brain live. Yeah, it's just like thrilling and exhilarating and you're surrounded by geniuses. It's like, it's a very exciting thing. Um, yeah, and there was no shortage of like, there's there were plenty of unused material that we'll get to use in a future season if God willing we get one and I feel like I you know. will, just throwing that out there. Yeah, but, you know. nice, right? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't worry. I wouldn't worry. Um, but yeah, I, um, I felt like there were some real moving moments too. Like this, I know it sounds silly, but I was really moved by, by the, um, is it Jessica? The Grace. I love that because that's what people do. They lie to their therapist and they don't leave their abusive partners. And all these things are very real and really, really on the nose, painful for people. You know, you recognize yourself, but it, it's made, it's made 
life affirming when you can laugh about it. And that's, that's fantastic. I love it. Yeah. I, I think like it was important for us to be honest about what it would be like if someone just started telling their patients what to do and that it should work to varying degrees of success and failure, but you don't become a God. Like you get it wrong. You get it wrong a lot, you know? Um, and I think that's where some of the humor comes from. The date scene where he appears and then is like, the, the guys, you know, going, oh, and I'm I'm the youngest COO they've ever had. I mean, who hasn't met that guy, you know? <laughs> he just sits there and goes, you're full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> so good. There's yeah. so, so much, so many favorite moments. Um, that but, makes me so happy, I have to tell you. Really? I'm just thrilled to hear that, yeah. Oh, good. I'm so glad. I'm, I mean it in absolute sincerity. I love it. Um, what do you have on the boil right now? Is there, Are you taking a little break? Is there something happening right now? Are there, is it, that face tells me there's things you can't talk about. No, I can talk about everything. I, okay. um, I uh, just finished uh, season two of Winning Time, this oh, yeah. HBO show about the mm-hmm. Lakers. Yeah. Um, which was really exciting. And so that'll come out, I mean, pretty shortly after Shrinking comes out. Um, and then, and awesome. then hopefully go back and do some more Shrinking. Uh, and I'm writing, as always. I wrote something I'm really excited about. A movie or so, a show? I wrote a movie that oh, I'm really cool. excited about. Yeah. Okay. And, and that's a process that you can't uh, discuss yet? Or is it too early to even think like that? Who knows if anything will ever get made, but I wrote... Um, there's a character called Space Ghost, who I really loved as a uh, as a kid. He was like a 1960s superhero. He then was like resurrected on Comedy Central as a um, ironic talk show host. Uh, so I wrote I wrote a live action version of that that I would, uh, I would awesome. love to make. But, you know, that's so cool. Yeah, these things take time. I love it. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandslots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. So... Let's kick off question number one. What is your favorite thing about your current project? I, honest to God, I'm not just saying it. My favorite thing is the cast. It is, it is a group of the nicest, kindest people I've been around. And very quickly to show parts of ourselves that we hadn't gotten to show before. And that's a, that's a really exciting energy. Like no one's doing their old moves, which can get boring. I've done projects where I'm doing my old moves. You know, okay. I, I know this. I know this moment. You know, no one's but there doing was that. never a talk about it. It was just like an agreement to just be really real and and show something new. I think that honestly, when all of a sudden Harrison Ford is coming in and being brave, like comedy, like he's never done before, no one has an excuse to phone it in. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, the bar is high. Yeah. The bar is very high. Okay, what's the moment you realized you wanted to do your job? Do you remember? I have to give credit to my mom. I I think that looking back, 
I think that my mom made me a surrogate for some of the things that she didn't get to do in her life. You know, she started raising us, you know, in her 20s and she had taped every episode of The Muppet Show because it was a little before my time and showed them to me when I became the right age. She showed me Harold and Maude when I was like 10 years old. Like way too young to watch Harold and Maude. Your mom sounds awesome. Yeah, she's awesome. <laughs> so is my father, but it's just different. You know, it's a different thing. And my dad and my mom showed me broadcast news. I remember all of these things, Tim Burton movies. Like in a way, my mom was kind of creating like a very fertile creative ground for me to become a real weirdo. You know, I love The Muppet Show so much that I think I could still sing the entire theme tune, and I bet you could. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. The Making the Muppets. Men. Yes. Yeah. Making the Muppets was one of the highlights of my life, not just my yeah. career. Yeah. It's just a dream. Yeah. It's so it's just gold. Please do more of that as well. Okay. Was there an early childhood inspiration? I know you just talked about your mum, but was there someone that maybe at school or a teacher or someone that really sort of fed your your creative process? Yeah. I had a high school drama teacher named Ted Walsh who just passed away about two months ago. Yeah. He changed my life. Just in brief, like I was playing basketball, but I was doing kind of like secret acting after school and stuff. And uh, he, I guess, saw something in me that was talents is to see something in kids that they maybe like weren't nurturing as much as they should. And he encouraged me to put on a three night production of The Zoo Story by Edward Albee, which is a very adult piece of theater for a kid to do. That's a two person play. How said, old? Sorry. I was probably 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And he said, put this on just to see if you... If you like it, it's, it's really hard material. See, see if you like it. So we put it on like a showcase, you know, but just for like some other kids and parents. And a week later, my parents sat me down and told me that Ted had secretly invited the president of casting from Paramount Pictures to what? come to the showcase. And uh, my life was never the same after that. What? So wait, you were spotted by this this casting director when you were 16? Yeah, but not spotted. He engineered it. He, right. But he obviously liked what he saw. Yeah, it was a woman named Deborah Quilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, yeah, that was that was how it all started for me. My life probably would be very different without Ted. Wow. Well, may he rest in peace. I mean, what yeah. an amazing teacher. Well, what were the posters you had on your bedroom wall as a kid? And when I was a kid, I had uh, Michael Jordan posters up on my wall. Really? That's yeah, crazy. yeah. My brother was... Given, st- given your, your show. Yeah. Yeah. My brother was a stellar athlete, and uh, I really admired and continued to admire him and, like, desperately wanted my older brother's approval. So I set out to become really good at basketball. And you were playing basketball, weren't you? Yeah. Yeah. I got pretty good. I got pretty good at it. When the option came between being a basketball player or an actor i made the right choice but i got i got pretty good um okay what was the first movie you ever saw in a theater man i do not remember the first movie i saw in a theater what was yours god no one ever asked me the questions that's just not fair jason (laughs) yeah 
Actually, I think you it don't was actually Empire remember. Back. I think it was Empire Strikes Back. Really? Yeah. Mine too. <laughs> <laughs> well played. All right. <laughs> or it might have been E.T. Yes, it was E.T. Mine was E.T. also. <laughs> I do remember going, my grandma taking us to a very, a very fancy, huge cinema in London to see E.T. So, yeah, we'll go with that. Cool. Okay. A TV or film character you wanted to be when you were a kid? Well, oh, I actually have a really good answer to this. I was going to answer performances that inspired me, but it is Batman because I just remembered that when I was about... 11 years old, somewhere around there, I saw the Tim Burton Batman, you know, the original. Little Jason Siegel. I lived in like a little gated community, you know. I designed my own superhero outfit out of materials around the house, like cleaning gloves and like a really ramshackle outfit. I had a colander on my head, I remember. Oh my God. And I snuck out. And patrolled the neighborhood. No, you didn't. Yeah, nothing was going to happen. Like, I grew up in the safest neighborhood in the world, but I walked around there, like, like just in case, you know? Yeah, the neighbors looking out the window going, that seagull kid's off his meds again. That's right. <laughs> I think that's adorable. I I'm love a little that. Weirdo. Did your parents take pictures? Is there evidence? Um, no, the only evidence is there is on a yellow legal pad my like sketch of what the items would be. It says like rubber cleaning gloves, colander with like a drawing of a, a really rudimentary man. That better be framed somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so what is the weirdest job you've ever had? I think this. I think this. I think being an actor is the weirdest job I've ever had. It's uh, there's so much that goes along with it besides the acting and even acting is really weird. So I think like, I think this is definitely the weirdest job. It qualifies for sure. It's pretty odd. <laughs> it's been a strange, beautiful, twisty, turny life for sure. Right. Yeah. Okay. When was the last time you cried? I cried over the holidays of contentment. Oh, Nice. Yeah, I I don't often feel like everything's okay. Hmm. If that makes sense. Oh, it's yeah. not totally. yeah. That's not my default setting. I'm lucky as I've gotten older, like I've identified some places my mind goes to worry, which must mean everything is okay because they're so mundane. Yeah. You know what I mean? I relate very yes. much to that. I'm like, oh God, you're worried about that the cabin you built is too close to the property line we're like we're okay You're things are okay, okay. Yeah. okay. <laughs> but it's it's like the, the feeling of amorphous dread is is very real like no matter what the thing is very mm -hmm. uncomfortable mm -hmm. and i had a moment where i was sitting and i was surrounded by loved ones and a christmas tree was up in my house like oh everything's okay oh that's so nice yeah i know what you mean that's that's a it's sometimes hard to arrive at those moments, but especially if you, not that I I write things like you write, but if you've got that mind that's constantly doing a narrative, it will find a narrative no matter what. Any Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's right. It'll just flip through like a Rolodex. Sometimes it's helpful to like identify the feeling of the Rolodex spinning. 
let's not take any of this too seriously. Right. Yeah. A friend of mine said to me, you know, as you get older, it's all about observing yourself from a distance and going, are you doing that thing again? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) That's basically. I think that's right. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. You're packing your nuclear bunker. What do you take to watch? It's such a weird mentality that this world's going to end. Watch Ace Ventura. But (laughs) (laughs) oh boy. You know what? I think that I would probably watch The Great Beauty. Hmm. I've not seen it. Watch it. Okay. You happen to speak Italian? No. Yeah, me neither. But it's great with subtitles. It's it's a perfect movie. Really? Okay. I'm adding it to my list. Yeah, watch it. Okay. Let me know what you think after. I will. I will. You know, a lot of people say to that question, they'll say The Sopranos, Friends. You know things that are like putting your feet into slippers? You just know them and they you can watch it over and over. That's what most people go for comfort viewing. I watched The Great Beauty. The first time I watched The Great Beauty, I cried when the movie ended. Not because of any of the content, but because people are still making things that are so beautiful. That's so beautiful, yeah. Well, now I have to watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Who is your dream dinner companion, living or dead? I'm going to say my father and living. That's brilliant. I love it. I said Sigmund Freud because I wanted him to answer all my big questions. But Wouldn't this be exhausting? Wouldn't that be an exhausting dinner? Yeah, I don't think I'd have much appetite at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Your dinner sounds sort of much more fun and and companionable. What was the toughest time in your career so far? I've had two different out-of-work periods that were both very scary. One right after Freaks and Geek and one right after a movie called The End of the Tour. Oh, I know Um, that, that movie really well, yeah. Oh, cool. Both of those periods, I started doing the life math of like, so what do I do if this is done? Why, and that's why were you having a fallow period after the end of the tour? Because I don't, I don't really understand the logic of why that would happen. Well, I think I had made my way in this business from comedy. Mm. People really loved about me and. And then you, with like all your gusto, say, you know, it's really important to me now. I'm going to try to make dramas. And the rest People of the don't world... like it when you do things they didn't expect. They want you to stay in your thing. It's not even I think that they don't like it. It's that they don't care. Oh, it's that it's that no one cares with about your life with the amount that you care, nor should they. You know what I mean? They're like, I got I got plenty on my plate. I got dramatic. They, like I don't need I don't I don't need to like watch Jason Siegel's creative journey. And so you have to kind of like I I had to have some faith and belief that what was interesting to me would be interesting to others, which is the point of making art, right? Yeah. And just like be patient with that process. And an interesting thing happened in that I delved into that pretty hard for like seven years, making little movies that I cared really deeply about that required me to use some skills I hadn't been developed or, or used. So then when a project like shrinking comes along, which requires both for it to be yeah. its version, it really does. all of a sudden you're like, 
it's like an M. Night Shyamalan movie where you're like, oh, this was the point of all of it, you know? <laughs> yeah. Isn't that funny how that all comes around? Yeah. Because, you know, in Forgetting Sarah Marshall, for an example, we see this, you know, man who's bereaved in a different way, but it's never not comedic. But in shrinking, he you feel deep pain. Like that, and it needs that contrast. It needs to be really, really, really hard and really, really funny. It's yeah, hard, it? I think a show where someone can be authentically going through the moment of looking at pictures of their dead wife and realizing they're never going to get that back mm. and also have a pratfall off a bicycle while listening to Phoebe Bridgers. That's, <laughs> that's like magic, you know, that's, that's a cool show. Yeah. I love it when he's like, fuck you, Phoebe Bridgers. <laughs> okay. So what is a time a project really got in your head and it was really hard to let go of? Well, it wasn't hard to let go of, but end of the tour still has stuck with me because I think part of the process of doing that movie was not trying to do an impression of David Foster Wallace. I think that it would have fallen really flat, but try to find the parts of me that overlapped with that three-day period that David Foster Wallace was going through. And I did. This idea of what happens when you really, really believe that achieving something is going to do it, and then you achieve it, and it doesn't do it. And you put all your eggs in that basket, you know? Oh, yeah. That was definitely me at 33, where I had ever telling me essentially that I'd won life. You know, I was on the big hit TV show and I was making movies people really liked, but I really felt very unhappy. And I, I didn't think I wanted to even do this job anymore. Why do you think you felt particularly unhappy at that time? Was, was it just like not knowing where happiness comes from and sort of chasing it? Because I feel like that's a 30 something mindset it was for me not understanding that you just have to stand still and sure <laughs> I think that you've made some false assumptions about where happiness comes from I think that was that was a big part I think another part I think that if you make art if you are an artist of any type fortunately or unfortunately it's different than it just being a job it's like who you are it's who you've been for a long time your identity is like really tied to it and I think that for me, like forgetting Sarah Marshall was really honest. It was like a very honest reflection of who I was at 25 years old. I just had a big breakup. I was miserable. I felt like the world had ended. Mm-hmm. That movie, I've, I loved puppets. I really believed that if I made my puppet musical, it would like, I would be understood. Like all, yeah. all of these feelings, all of these feelings were really alive in me. And that movie feels alive because of that. Yeah. I think the nature of having success and parallel, I was on a sitcom at the same time. The nature of a sitcom is that repetition is really encouraged. Mm. Keep doing that thing that people liked, right? Well, like seven years later, I wasn't thinking about the same things that I was thinking about when I wrote Forgetting Sarah Marshall. So why was I still making movies about those themes? I didn't feel like connected to what I was making and something felt very off to me as doing any of this and Muppets. I didn't realize it until I watched Muppets again recently, but Muppets was actually an attempted like love letter, goodbye letter 
to my childhood self. I think I was both Gary and Walter, mm. you know, my little friend. Am I a man or a Muppet? That's really what I was going through. And like that movie is about saying goodbye to that guy. Like, I love you. You've been so good to me, but you need to go do your thing. And I need to, it was like one of the more honest things I had written. It just took me a minute to understand that. Yeah. I was talking with Baz Luhrmann about Elvis in the exact same way. You know, this is the stuff that kills people. It's that box you get put in and the expectation and people are like, oh, no, do the thing again. You know, and it's it starts to feel so out of alignment with where where you are at a certain point that it can become very depressing and and, and very difficult. Yeah, it's a very confusing thing because you are so lucky. Yes, you can't not be <laughs> grateful because, of course, you are. Yeah. And that's like, oh, the shame. The shame compounds it all. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a very it's a it's a very stepping into your own adulthood and realizing that you are responsible for making choices for your own happiness. I mean, some people never do it. Right. I feel really lucky. I essentially had like a midlife crisis at 33 years old and it's probably the best thing that ever happened to me yeah I mean you know most people again like Baz and I was saying like you get like most people they get to 40 and they go oh crap the things I thought would make me okay you know it's then that you've got the job or the house or the thing it's around 40 and that's where what a midlife crisis is about but you just you got the things sooner in life and hit that bottom I think it sounds like yeah I got I had I had a lot of success really early on in my life before I had even figured out who I was mm. you know I started how I met your mother when I was 24 yeah finished that yeah. show when I was 33 and all of a sudden I like looked in the mirror I'm like you're you're a man something happened along the way where you're like you're a man you can't make movies about being afraid of girls anymore. Oh, yeah. You're like, you're like a six foot four grown, successful man. <sighs> and also this other kind of scarier thing of like looking around and realizing your friends have kids and your friends are talking about brunch and like oh, yeah. all, of, it's mm. all this stuff that you've kind of like missed, you know? I do. Yeah. I, I catch myself. I'm in my 40s. I catch myself going but wait, we're too young to have kids. <laughs> and then I'm like, oh no. Yeah. <laughs> it's I a know. mindset. It's, I think, but I, I embrace it because I think actually having, having that sort of perpetual, you know, feeling youthful mindset in the end does serve you when you get really old. It, yes. it, it keeps you alive. But there's a rocky period where you're like, I can't yeah. really, I don't, <laughs> I don't know what I'm This doing. middle part's real tricky. Yeah. Okay. So what's the time you were starstruck? Right when Forgetting Sarah Marshall came out. I think we were nominated for like a Critics' Choice Award. Some one of some nice award. Anyway, I was walking down the red carpet. It was the first time I'd ever like been at a thing like this, you know. And then all of a sudden, there was a tap on my shoulder, and I turned around. Brad Pitt and Angelina Jolie. And then Brad Pitt said, "Hey." The dick slap heard around the world. Oh my God. <laughs> and that is amazing. Yeah. And it was my turn to respond. And I just said, it's you. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. 
I love that you tell this story. This is the best. Oh my God. Oh, that is brilliant. Yeah. And I'm I'm hoping that Angelina just had the one eyebrow raised, just like what? They were both so generous. And I was like so shocked that they had seen the movie, you know? Of course. They, I mean, everyone saw the movie. But at the time, I'm sure it hadn't really sunk in. But yeah. Just crazy. Oh, that's brilliant. What job do you think? You said this earlier that you don't know what would have happened if if you hadn't had that casting director change your life. And your teacher, but what job would you be doing if this hadn't worked out? I think I would have been a very good teacher. I like kids a lot and I write kids books. So maybe I would have been a teacher. I, I, I think I would have been good at that. What would you have taught? English, writing. Yeah, English, writing, acting. Yeah, something in that world. English yeah. or writing or acting. Somewhere somewhere in there. Somewhere where somewhere where there's creativity involved. One of the things that Ted did really, really well that I think mm. is a lesson for me is... Your drama teacher. My drama teacher, Ted. Mm-hmm. He had a real knack for seeing the part of you that you were trying to hide. Yeah. And telling you, no, 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 that's the special part. Mm. Don't be afraid of that part. Lean into that part. That's the part that's going to be the thing. That's so, that's like, he was like the Brené Brown of acting teachers. Show (laughs) your vulnerability. That's the good stuff. Wow. He sounds awesome. Well, I think most of us are just trying, like, you know, at that age, like, don't see me. So you kind of... Anything that puts you on the fringes, you kind of try to tamp down. But those are going to be things, right? Yeah. I mean, I remember in school deliberately getting questions wrong in tests because the popular girls weren't the smart girls. Right. You know, you like that's so stupid. But that the length you go to to just be like cool or normal or whatever it was. Yeah. Yeah. Thank God for Ted. All the Ted's in this world. Thank God for Ted. Are you a secret genius? Is that what we're finding out right now? For me, definitely not. No, okay. I'm a basic spelling test. <laughs> okay. Let's not let's not get overexcited. Are you like Matt Damon from that movie where he it's solves problems? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. Although you know, a funny funny sidebar. A friend of mine, his father is a very successful scientist actually had that experience in probably the 70s, long before Goodwill Hunting was written. And he he wrote the equation on the ceiling above his bed and every night looked at it and solved it. He came from Armenia with one bag and, you know, 20 bucks or something and got a free tuition from salt. So that really, that has happened. I love that story, don't you? Yeah, it's amazing. I love the scene in that movie when he turns to Robin Williams and says spitefully, do you know how easy this shit is for me? Mm. You know, sometimes I yell that after scenes at Harrison Ford. (laughs) Oh, my God. Please tell me you do that. No, I've never done that. I've never done. I feel like I feel like he'd be into it. Don't you? (laughs) Or he'd just look at you like, hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, totally. <laughs> he'd give you the full Han Solo face. That. Every once in a while he does and just your heart stops. It's amazing. Oh, God, you're so lucky. One that you may or may not have ever thought about. A lot of people think about this. It's a weird question. Who would play you in the biopic of your life? I like to think that I live long enough 
that this person is not born yet. Oh, okay. All right. I like that. Did you see mm-hmm. the Fablemans? No, not yet. Yeah. So we, I'd love to discuss that with you because it's uh, it's really interesting. You know, it's obviously so accurate. It, you can tell. Wow. Yeah, watch it. So, yeah, it's interesting. Really I'll watch that. You watch The Great Beauty. Okay, deal. Deal. Last one. What is your all-time dream project? I don't think I have any all-time dream projects because they change based on what I'm thinking about. I think the script that we wrote for Space Ghost is so good that that is, I've sort of got my head down pointed at that idea of the superhero who got left behind is really interesting to me. I love that. I, it makes me think of you with your colander on your head, walking around the gate. A little bit, right? <laughs> is that, that's kind of like the inspo deep down. Yes. Like, he's still in there. Yeah. I love it. Well, listen, I've had such a good time talking to you. Thank you me so too. much. You're such yeah. a good support. I look forward to seeing you sometime soon. I'm sure I'll run into you very soon. But thank you again. And thank you for being so real. I love it. Yeah, you too. Congrats. Thank you again, Jason Siegel. Check out Shrinking on Apple TV from January 27th. And listen and subscribe to this podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family no purchase necessary vgw group void where prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.